Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. We're back on the things we say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. And we have our best friends along. Wow! This may be a mistake. <laughs> it's already been a mistake. <laughs> Kayla at some point is going to damage Jess's ears slash brain. It's all good. With her shouting because Kayla becomes like a drunk person when it hits a certain time of night. <laughs> Sheldon is just one of those two me. things is already broke on Jess, so it won't matter. <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> I just need a little extra help in the hearing department. For those of you who don't know, these are our wives. <laughs> if we didn't make that clear. Jess, Jess is mine. Kayla, identify Hello. yourself. It's me. That was great. Thank you for that. Well done. This is already off to a great start. <laughs> so we're not going to dispense with the usual pleasantries of giving you a mini rant to start this off on things that we're not here to talk about. Yes. We're not going to dispense with that. No. So what are we doing? We've already discussed that the Asperger we, we did thing talk was about done away with in 2013. Why was that, Sheldon? Well, because as far as I know, Dr. Asperger <laughs> was... <laughs> Be careful how you say that. I'm, I'm enunciating. <laughs> well, this was a problem earlier. And um, he was a Nazi doctor, and it was very bad. So now they just got <clears throat> rolled into the autism thing. So, so nobody gets that anymore. You don't know. He and helped it hasn't cure been the for disease. A while. No, it's been like 10 years. We're that far behind. It's like ADD. It doesn't exist anymore. But, but ADHD exists. Yeah, but it's like HD. <laughs> it's high definition. <laughs> Boy, howdy is it. Which would you like to have more, ADD or ADHD? Have we ever actually discussed my ADHD, the fact that it exists? No, that's not what not we're here Not your ADHD. That, I mean, technically that's what it is now because that's what they've, they've removed the ADD designation, even though it should be separate. Let's but you always really complain that you're not ADHD. I'm not. Let's wax really poetic on things we don't know much about. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I know things about that because I are one, but yes. But no, here's here's my thing. Like, and you always do this, Sheldon, and then you take great pleasure in my <laughs> in my state that you have put me in right now. And his shoulders shake yes. while he laughs okay, silently. So here's the as thing. Well. Like, it makes for better audio. The amount of medical knowledge that we use that was acquired by the barbarism of Nazi Germany is un it's true. <laughs> it's true. You brought it up. I'm just but it's true. They did horrible barbaric experiments on people without their consent and we acquired that knowledge once we went in there and blew up their whole country. We as in who? The Americans. Operation Paperclip was basically Operation. this whole thing where we took great minds from the Nazi party well, Operation and brought them to the United States. They worked on our rocket programs. They worked in our medical programs. They did all of these things. That's why we got to the moon. That's why we beat Russia in 
the space race. Yikes. There yeah. was a whole competition between Russia and America, uh, Russia and the Allies, to go in and get those Nazi scientists out as Germany collapsed at the yeah. end of World War II. I did and not know this. And the Russians took their scientists and basically put them in prison camps in Siberia and put their families and everybody on trains, basically told them they're going to take them to a nice place and they can survive and all this stuff. And um, they they basically did a bait and switch on them. Yeah. And they all lured them onto trains and the Americans were trying to get them to come with them as well. And we got a certain number to us and they took a certain number to 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 Russia and both worked on rocket programs in different places. But yeah, there but was a ours big were not rush. under duress and the yeah. ones there were. Yeah. And they produced very different results. But, so freedom but here's wins. The, but here's and that the thing. all ties into I think I said it on the podcast, my favorite uh, my favorite explanation for the Roswell incident ties oh, yeah. back in right. to the whole paperclip thing because the Russians were trying to get to unman uh, like craft that could fly intercontinentally, but to do it, they were putting people in them and they lost contact with some of these things. And the problem with Roswell, it wasn't aliens, it was possibly a russian craft that they lost that came in super fast over the u.s crash landed but they couldn't say that it was russian because that would have started a, a whole panic. thing so they come in and they grab it and what is it it look it's somebody who's starved it's somebody who's wow. got got to altitude lost pressure in the cabin so their head is swollen and all of this, and you're looking at a, an emaciated human who's gray with a massive head getting pulled out of a weird craft that crash landed in Texas that the government isn't acknowledging, and it goes away to an Air Force base, and everyone says aliens. When was this? Roswell was 1940. Was it 1948? I think was you when guys the Roswell have incident. Way too much knowledge. But let me, right. so, it, but let me clarify. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. UFO thing. I knew the story, but I couldn't have told you the year. But wait a minute. Let me clarify. What Sheldon, was, what Sheldon is talking about is a theory. Right. It's a theory. It's Operation paper, Paperclip Operation. was real. real. Like 100% yes. confirmed oh, real. Because you guys love conspiracy theories. But Sheldon it's likes a, them a little better than I do. Let's be does, real. He does. Let's be real. Not like, necessarily because he's a believer. He just enjoys them. But but going back. It goes back, along with the idea that he likes Operation, to find things to not believe in. For he sure. also right. likes to find right. weird things sure. to believe in. Right. Because sometimes that's how you get to not believing the other things. I totally right. get that. But to be clear, it was not like we were going in and grabbing up, you know, oh, here's this one military leader that was, you know, the 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 one who ran this this extermination camp. That those people know. They executed those people sometimes outright and other times after the Nuremberg trials. But it, but we did. We went in and got scientists, and our justification was, well, they had no other means to be doing the things they were doing. They had to join the party if they were going to continue to operate. And we justified it that way. And one of them, um, Werner von Braun, who was the mastermind behind the whole Apollo rocket thing and all that, uh, dude actually became a Nazarene after he moved here, which I found out much later in life through a random book. There you go. And he was one of those paperclips guys. So yeah, Operation Paperclip. Interesting. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's How did we fun. get to that? Uh, we were talking about Aspergers. Yes. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just generally speaking, I'm not in favor. I'm generally not in favor of erasing people from history. That is Soviet era weirdness that I'm very uncomfortable with in any regard. 
You know, you can yeah. you can tell the truth about them. I got no problem with that. Like expose what they were, what they did, fine. Right. But to just try to like remove people, it's it's weird. It weirds me out. But that's not why we're here. No, not at all. But Sheldon enjoyed it. <laughs> yes, did. he did. I have done nothing but grin this entire time. Yes, yes. Okay, there is a question that we would like to ask the ladies. This is why <laughs> we have them here. You want to ask them a question, so why don't you go ahead and ask it? I do. I have a question for you both. And my question is, <laughs> are you submissive? No. There is no... <laughs> There is, I have no parameters on this, but we are going to discuss it. So that is my question. Are you submissive? Are you, Jess? So I've actually been thinking about this. <laughs> I've thought none. <laughs> right. You do your best work okay. when you haven't thought about but it But I yet. also but am an out external processor, yes. so I know I'm going to have to talk it out. So I've been thinking about this. I think that I am submissive in the human way. Okay. Meaning... We are all submissive to authority. Okay. All of us somewhere. But within the context of what we're talking about, it's always put to the women in the context of, are you submissive to the man who is your husband? And if Who's you don't have head? a husband, yes. which man are you submissive to? So I will say it this way. I am submissive to love. I'm submissive to love because... That sounds fruity. Listen. Go for it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Listen. I'm, I'm here for it. Okay. I'm here for it. We're tracking. Okay, two things. <laughs> You submit to the people that you respect. If it's your boss, if it's your church leaders, you if you don't respect them and you don't feel cared for by them, you don't want to be submissive to them. And if you are, you are subverting your own will in order to do that. I don't want to do that. I need to speak up. And in my life, that's been a journey for me to speak up and say, nope, I actually don't agree with this. I'm mm -hmm. not going along with this. Yeah. Um, so oh, don't, I don't say, don't even, listen, don't you dare. We, I have a very pure mind, so I don't know what that look no, was. No, you didn't do anything wrong. It's, it's, I'm going to say, mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. just like the humming. This is, right. this is an inside joke right, that, that Kayla, was a thing. Yeah. She's, there, there she's showing her awareness and her knowledge. There by is a yes. certain group of people that on podcasts and on video podcasts, they like to appear deep and thoughtful by right. going, hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> it is literally in that tone. <laughs> and I can handle it a couple of saying. times, but I, after a few, I'm like, yeah, okay, let's done. just be done. So that's what I was thinking about. We all submit to authority. If you don't submit to authority, you are in jail or dead. Like, that's the end. Okay. And so that's why we teach our kids about authority. That's why we try to do well with authority. But the re but that within the whole context of, are you submissive to your husband? I'm going to say, that's a no. Okay. I'm submissive <laughs> to love. That's and when he shows no. me love and when I show him love, it can look like that. Because okay. we have a very traditional relationship. I've, I, for the most part, when our kids were young, didn't work. Mm -hmm. Um. And in that way, we can look like we are following the whole mold of everything else that everybody says. Yeah. But one of the things I thought about was um, we read a book way early on in our marriage. And one of the things that it talked about was like a yes spiral or a no spiral. Okay. So when you say, 
when your spouse is asking you to do something small that you really don't want to, especially in that first year where you're just like, I'm independent, please leave me alone. Yeah. It's like, can <laughs> you go get the trash from can Sheldon? Uh, can you take the kids to the potty when you're potty training? Nobody wants to do these things, but you mm-hmm. do them because you love your spouse. And it was saying, basically, the number of times you say yes, it creates a yes culture to each other where you are mm-hmm. mutually giving love back and forth. But when you start to say no and you want to stand up for your own opinion most of the time or you're selfish, it creates a desire in your spouse also to reciprocate that way. Yeah. And for us who tend to be naturally independent, <laughs> uh, nonconformist, Somewhat selfish people. I would say marriage and children helped with all of this. Listen, I'm honest. I would say rebellious. Sure. That is Sheldon. Absolutely. Rebel- Crotch- but also crotchety. He can't even take no. my words, though. He has my, to rebel about, about no, that. My life is full of small rebellions. Right. I very rarely <laughs> engage in large, full-scale rebellion. Right, right. But I do enjoy the little, small rebellions. Little purposeful rebellions. Yes. Nothing wrong with it. Small so, ones. Those are my basic thoughts. Okay. I, I submit to love. Okay. But I do not submit submit to all the men in the world who think like I actually had this discussion with my brother. I know I'm on a tangent, but here we go. I had this discussion with my brother because he does not believe in women in ministry. He doesn't believe in women women leadership. And they I'm exist. Like, I can prove to him they exist. I know he he will acknowledge they exist. He just doesn't agree with it. I know. I know what you're saying. I'm just but, being, being but facetious. He, but he he I was I literally told him I was like so literally I am supposed to submit myself to any man because they are simply a man. That's the bar? Ridiculous. A terrible man, an abusive man, a a lying sneaking terrible person. That's the every one of them. That's the bar for me what because I'm say? a woman. What did he say? It was in the middle of an argument, so I don't remember what he said. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to know. Okay, okay. Minds but were not being changed. All no. Time. I have a question. Absolutely. Are you guys submissive to us? Oh, we're not. We're not going there yet. What? This is our show. We control the show. <laughs> we control the show. No, I want to know. Yes, and we we Who, will... me and Nate or me and Jess. Yeah, to are you, and you Nate? guys submissive? <laughs> Men we submissive will, to us. We will we will take this as it goes, but we're not done. We are still the controllers of these mics. <laughs> I can shut everything off and nobody here will know how to turn it back on. So I can win. I I won't saying, even know how to do that's that. That's right. Sheldon doesn't even know. <laughs> I keep this knowledge very close. So those are the thoughts that okay. I generally had in like thinking about this question. So, so Kayla. Yeah. You gave just a very staunch no. <laughs> but do you have anything you want to explore with that no? Do you want to do you want to do you have anything to add now that you've heard a bit of Jess's rant about it? Well, personally, I think the sound of submitting to love sounds a bit cheesy, so I don't think <laughs> I'm going to personally say that I submit to love. <laughs> um, I would it's actually not trademarked. Okay, I I get it. I would actually argue that um, you guys don't have a traditional relationship. <laughs> Stay so, in your lane. Talk about you. Yeah, okay, let's do I'm it. just saying. No, I'm saying like we don't either. But in the sense of like traditional relationship to me is like the '60s wife who does all the cooking and the cleaning, and when the man comes home, the house is in order, and they she's in her cute little dress and. Like, she doesn't work. She doesn't do the finances. The husband does the finances. You guys don't do that. We don't do that. That's Both true. of us do the... Fi- me and Jess do the finances. Um, we have very equal say in what goes on in our families. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's always dialogue when it comes to making decisions. And so, in that sense, I feel like 
I don't really need to be submissive because we yeah. are on the same playing field. Yeah. So let me ask you a follow-up right. to that. <laughs> is our relationship that way because of you or because of the dynamic that I have set? I, I'm just asking the question. <laughs> because here's here's my thing. For those of you who don't know, I... I have never really had... Now, I, I would come from what you would call a traditional family. My mom never worked. She was home. She was the caregiver. That's what she did. But she also you know, has a huge ministry of hospitality, always has, always had people in our home, whether it was living with us or whatever it was. My dad worked. He was outside the home. That's what he did. He was the sole breadwinner, you know, whatever you want to call all those things. But it was never... It's never been a thing for me in terms of the way I was raised. Like, well, women can't do this. Men have to do that. Only men... That's never been a thing. I, I don't know that you would call it egalitarian versus complementarian, but like, it was just a more I don't careisms. You know, we didn't care. It was just... And, and I've raised... been Being raised in the Nazarene tradition, I saw women in ministry all the time. Like, this was normal. This was not something that ever occurred to me that it was an issue. And I was, I was probably in my, like, late childhood so like 13 years old 12 years old where i started to realize oh this is a thing people think that there's a problem here so my window on all of this is very different than what you guys have experienced and what you guys have grown up with right so just to to throw that out there to give everybody a little bit of scope there but i am curious kayla because of that fact because of what you've seen modeled because of how your life was because of the things you saw and trust me i did not have this question preloaded as you were talking i feel like this you're suddenly... forcing me to say i'm being well, submissive no 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 no, 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 no. I have no, no. Question, do you have any thoughts to cuz i have a thought yeah i'm curious about that what was the question again if if we had gotten married and my expectation <laughs> And my expectation was that, was that I wanted a wife who was going to be this, was going to be that, was going to, was, you know, all the things you described. Do you feel like that's my personality? What I'm asking you is, do you think that the dynamic that we have struck in our relationship has more to do with what you expected coming into it or who I have been as we've had our journey of our relationship together? I would not have married you had you been that right. kind of person. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Because I knew I didn't want that. Okay. Right. I actually think it has more to do with the dating relationship. Yeah. Like. And this is an open question. I, it wasn't like right. I expected a particular answer. I was curious. I I think we have evolved in, in some of these things oh, a sure. whole lot. But I would. It's like we have talked about personally, aside from this podcast, the number of men I would have accepted as far as dating or in a serious relationship was very small. Mm. Because and Kayla would not have. She would not have tolerated that. Like, I don't see her tolerating that in a dating relationship well. I don't know. I, I feel like by the time that we started dating, I had really decided what kind of person I wanted to be with. Right. Or but it wasn't I had, me. I had figured that out. No, it wasn't you. <laughs> it wasn't you. And yet here we sit. Almost, I'm what kidding. is it, almost 12 years later now? Okay, it wasn't you for other reasons. It wasn't because of your personality. It was just outside factors uh, yeah. <laughs> that I was running from. But... um. I think I had already figured out, because I had been with, I don't know, I think I had seen the other side, and I didn't want it, and I didn't want that. Yeah. There you go. That's fair. Right. Yeah. Okay. So Ephesians 5.22 says, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ... So also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. 
Do you have a follow-up from that? I just wanted to get a reaction on that. I'd like some cultural context, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't even, over that I don't even think it needs cultural context. That's I just, Ephesians 5.22. I just think it needs previous scriptural context. Yep. If you want to go back a little bit and read the part that everybody always misses. Yep. Right. So let's see if I can open it up here. Oh, I have to do that in the other app. Sorry. Mine's, I might beat you. I'm trying. Ephesians 5. 22. I oh. can give you the gist, but I don't know it by heart. Yeah. And uh, verse 21 says, and further submit to one another out of mm -hmm. reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Not verse 23, for a husband is the head of his wife. And then down in verse 25 in the NLT, it says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave him his life for her to make her holy and clean and washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Mm -hmm. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates right. his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife, and the two become one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So I, again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. The thing I love most about this passage is it's mostly about us. <laughs> yeah. It's mostly not about what the women are supposed to do. But that is the key thing, is there is a call for mutual submission right. right off the bat. And then it says, wives, this is what submission looks like for you. Husbands, this is what submission looks like for you. And this is where the this NLT passage... The NLT does a great job yes, showing that. Yes, it does. And this is where this, this passage has become so abused. And it's so funny to me, because even hearing the two of you talk about this word, I can tell the preloaded things that come with it. Oh, right. Like, I can hear the, you're going to do what I say because I'm a man and you're a woman, or I'm the head of the house, and, like, I can hear the finger-wagging and the lecturing that went on to give you the perspective that right. you have. Literally those words, head yeah. of the house. Yeah. yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Right, right. In a negative I think the, the other thing for me... Never heard those words growing up, by the way. I knew they were in the Bible, the but it never was a thing. I never had my father in any lecturing sense look at me and say, say, I'm the head of the house. The closest I ever got was, as long as you are living under our roof, you will do this. You are right. more than free to move out. Right. But if you are under our roof, and it was always our, it was not just him, it was always us, this is what you will do. I guess I, what I find interesting is we love to talk about this. And we love to, the church and a lot of people love to point fingers at women. Yeah. But then when you read Proverbs 31 yeah. and you look at the things that woman did, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, even if you're like, this is the standard for biblical womanhood. She's mostly she working went, outside the home. She did a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. A she had a lot of rain to do a lot of things. Yeah. And so then it's, this is where it's like. She had her own business. Clearly, she ran the checkbook, like had some idea what was happening there. And that was the role of women for many, many, many years. 
even Victorian women, they ran their households. Yes. They ran the money they, of their household. They they, they hired the, the people, servants. Right. They fired the servants. Yes. Right. And so I look at it and I'm like, why don't people see the way they shoot themselves in the foot when it's like, you better. Is that the best you can do? Is that the best you can do for your wife is to look at her and say, you better? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's not how we get the best out of our kids. That's not the best, uh, the way you get best out of workers. That's not the best environment you and can it, set. And it was not historically understood. It was basically kind of that 1950s era that put this in this format on the map. Because not, if you not in our tradition, love, no, honor, and obey. Not that's in not in your been tradition. Around for a while. But it, but I'm saying in right. the way in the way that it was. It was an exchange. If you look at the vows as they were right. then, like you were getting these things and you are expected to do, like it was an exchange. It was an understanding. We we're coming together and this is what this exchange is going to look like. And people didn't have money and cash and all these things flowing around. I mean, they were basically like working to survive together all the time. Like that was the, that was the goal of all things. So this only came about, good Lord, am I going to say these words? The idea of submission as we think of it now and where we reflect on really came from a place of economic privilege. Almost more than anything else. Once in we what hit regard? once we hit a certain era of economic prosperity in the United States, where suddenly money became available, jobs were so available, like we're we're hitting this middle class growth, all of a sudden those dynamics change. We're not surviving, we're thriving, we're doing all these things. And now we have to find some very petty way to have this weird combating of the sexes. I think it was a response to women's suffrage. Absolutely true. And it was like, they're getting too uppity now. We need to put it back <laughs> I in think, place. I would agree with you that too. You better believe we're yeah. getting uppity. <laughs> I would agree. No, I would agree with that. I think that well, was part of it. here we are. <laughs> yeah. But I, no, I would agree that it was, I, it was, part, it was an overreaction to that push, right. I would say. It was yeah. a pendulum swing. So <clears throat> interestingly enough, I listened to this, uh, this podcast and on this podcast, couples come on and they talk about their finances with a guy that walks people through things. Um, it's called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And you can listen to it if you want. But he has the swears if you like him. Anyway, <laughs> um, but he has been dealing with a lot of high income earners that are women. Mm. And one of the things he's been bringing out lately in his podcast have been the shift that is going to happen where... Sometimes the behavior he sees in women who want to control the money now because they're the high earners within the dynamics of a relationship and those gender roles flipping, he's like, if this were a man doing these things to a woman, oh, yeah. people would be freaking out. Yeah. And I've thought about it too because women do have this tendency to have more fear-driven I would yes, say that's a generality, in to, we, especially in regards to finances. Right. It just like triggers something in them. Well, and it's our protective nature. We are supposed to nurture. We're supposed to care for. And so when you put that in the context of finances, it can be very fear driven. Mm -hmm. And so he's trying to help these women to see that having what ends up happening is a lot of these men get quiet and they they don't invest themselves in the relationship nor in the finances they don't want to play a role because they aren't given skin in the game mm -hmm. and his tendency towards these couples is to say listen like you have to get him on board you have to talk with him about this and you have to let him help mm -hmm. even if he's not the contributing one yeah because you guys are a couple and you have to work together but it's an interesting thing that you brought up the economics because in that era, it was the men, yeah. for the most part, that were the high earners. And this is an interesting thing that's coming with women being the high earners. Right. 
So, so when I preached the marriage message and I talked a little bit about submission, I touched on the subject and then went straight to talking about authority because that's really what underlies all of it. And it's like you have to submit to your husband as the church does to Christ. And it's really talking about authority. And I was right. like, so if we're going to talk about authority and we're going to talk about some mutual submission and what that looks like, we should talk about authority the way Jesus talks about authority. Mm -hmm. And we can't just go over here and just read what Paul writes. We have to go back to Matthew 20. When Jesus talks about authority, this is how he says it. He says, he calls all his disciples together and he says, you know that the rulers in the world lord it over their people and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Right. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. And he points at himself and says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others mm -hmm. and to give his life as a ransom for many. So proper authority within the church is increased responsibility mean, means increased level of service. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you are the assistant pastor, then you are called to serve a limited number of people. If you are the lead pastor or senior pastor, you are called to serve all of the people in that church. Mm -hmm. You at your level of service got raised. Now you're over a whole district of people. I'm sorry. You now have to serve a lot of people. <laughs> a whole district right. of people you are now called to serve. Yeah. And it's it's as you move up in levels of authority within the kingdom of God, your level of service must increase. So you want to be the head of the household, you want to grab that title, great. Your responsibility just increased mm. for service. Right. So on that, yeah. I would say um, like Nate is, I, I could never have imagined a husband like Nate because he, <laughs> stop it, he's raising his arms. <laughs> Like he's the winner. Winning. Um, but like she didn't say what part she couldn't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be in your That's favor. That's true. It might not be. I may be jumping the gun. <laughs> Somebody that um, celebrated a little early. But in the sense of he serves me constantly. Yeah. And now I'm gonna cry. It's okay. We no, I've seen tissues. it. You're you're not you're not lying here. I have not asked for that. But he just does it. And he never complains. He never even like bats an eye if I ask, like, hey, can you go fill up my water cup or like something small? Um, he anticipates my needs. And right. I've never experienced that before. And obviously, we've been married for almost 12 years now. But um, I will say that by him serving me, if he were to say tomorrow, hey, we need to do this, and it would be a big decision change decision right. or a big change in our life. My willingness to submit to that is so much greater because right. of the way that I've seen him right. serve me and love me. And I know he's not going to make a stupid decision for right. our family. Like he cares deeply. And so I think like Jesus model is so perfect mm -hmm. because he has set it up because he knows the people who are serving, the ones who are being served feel right. that and will submit to that. Yeah. Right. So, and I'm saying this is the thing that I say in every wedding I've ever done, and I and I'll even finger wag the guys a little bit during the, the wedding on this part. Kayla told me I shouldn't do that, but I actually think it's necessary, so I, I take it back. <laughs> I don't like the finger wagging. But here's the thing: if a man is not submitted to Christ, he's not worth submitting to. Right. There is nothing about innately holy or good about you being a man. 
And honestly, they have that special leadership gift. Yes, Nate. let's not let's not even get that. But again, <laughs> this is where this is where I look at how incorrectly you guys have been taught this stuff. Right. And it's not that you're railing against the actual principle, because if you were to ask me the question that I've asked you, and you would ask me if you are submissive, I would say you are, even though you wouldn't say that. And I would say the same thing about you, Jess. But because both of you have this particular thing that tips off in your head when you hear that word, right. rightly so because of the things you've experienced, you would say, well, no, I'm not that. Well, I think we, again, I am on the, the path of mutually submissive, but yeah. I do hear what you're saying. Uh, Sheldon, can you answer a question for me? Well, yeah. and I mostly said no to be facetious. Oh, no, you're, no, right. no, you're fine. You're fine. Come on. You just be you. I'm not going to. I was never back. I was never going to marry a woman who was. I would submit to you in boring. certain circumstances. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I wanted, not. I Let's wanted, not. I wanted to marry a woman that I could fight well with for the duration of our life. Oh, you got it. And I did. <laughs> and I don't regret it at all. I don't. I seriously don't. Okay, all right. I, I, want to hear I the do question. have a question. Yes. I would like Sheldon to talk about what he thinks the progression has been mm. from where we started to where we are now in this regard. So like when we, when we had expectations and we went through engaged encounter and we had these idealistic expectations right? and what, and where we are now, maybe the differences from your perspective. For me, between the two of us, I don't think, the roles have changed in my mind all that much. I have always implicitly trusted how the Lord speaks to you. And That's so, true. like, if you were sensing a particular thing, I don't question it mm -hmm. because I know who you are in relationship to Jesus. And awesome. when when he speaks to you, I, I almost follow it without thinking. It's more like, oh, okay, well... This is a thing now. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you stood in the backyard of our house before we owned it and you gave me a dollar amount that the Lord told you. And I was like, oh, no, I can get this house for cheaper than that. That is exactly what we paid for that house. <laughs> After all my negotiating and wrangling, <laughs> that's what we ended up with. I thought it was going to be less, too. I was like, this is what I think, but maybe it won't have to be that high. It, and so and that was like, I don't know, eight years in to our marriage, 10 something and but that hasn't changed for me there hasn't really been a, a shift in that regard um i guess the one thing that comes to my mind or did you have more to say no i i don't remember what you're talking about well i guess when i <laughs> my remember oh, is true. not good I, we are the same in that <laughs> thank goodness <laughs> i was talking with somebody recently who was who was talking about when a person gets stronger. I was not strong in a lot of ways mm. when we got married. I had a lot of physical things that I no longer have and then other physical things that have now come. But we pretty much thought I would be sick. Mm -hmm. We pretty much thought when we got married, we didn't know if we would have kids because I just, my body was not healthy at that time. And she, my friend was saying, one thing to look out for are people, what do people do and how do they respond to you as you get stronger? Mm. So like if a person puts you down because you are growing mm. in your intellect, in your job skills, in your intelligence, 
in your health, like in all of the, in your spirituality, like all of these areas, if you're growing and a person puts you down, mm. that says a lot about that person. Yeah. Or if a person is threatened by your strength. And I think that's one of the things I respect the most about Sheldon is that I have gotten stronger and I have continued to grow in a lot of areas and he has not he has not viewed that as a threat mm-hmm. and he that. has championed that mm-hmm. so that's uh, one of the things that came to my mind i had a lot of idealisms i mean i was gonna have four kids i we had already decided i was gonna stay home we had decided that before we had kids and we did that but then that transition back to work like i didn't i was terrified of that mm. because i had been home for 13 years um but he has done all of these things and pushed me to probably pushes me to go further than I ever think most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do believe in you more than you believe in you. Mm-hmm. I would agree with time. that. Right. <laughs> you would agree that Sheldon believes in Jess more than Jess, Jess believes in Jess. I think all of us um, believe in Jess more than Jess believes in <laughs> Jess. <laughs> I would agree. I think that's a true statement. So, so let me ask a question then, Sheldon, of you. Yeah. Because of what you were raised in, because of the mentality that you were raised in, what was your expectation coming into marriage in terms of this whole idea of submission and all of this stuff? Was this even really on your radar? Did you care at all? And if so, like what 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 were you thinking coming well, into it? I will say that if complementarianism didn't have all the baggage, it's actually a pretty good word for how men and women can and should relate to each other. Compliment. Yeah, they there are differences right. between the sexes and they do complement each other. Right. In general, not specifically, I'm just saying in yeah. general, there there are different ways that people are you you turning are you turning mine or yours? No. Okay. There <laughs> there I was going to say uh, we're messing with monitors here. <laughs> but in general, they there are ways that men and women complement each other well. And so I kind of still agree with some of that stuff, but not in the way that men are specifically the leaders because they're men. They somehow have this special leadership gene. I don't agree on what all these things specifically are. Right. But I feel like when everybody's healed and whole and functioning well, we tend to work well together. It's yeah. like the body should be built up together yeah. and mutually encourage one another. And in places where I'm weak, she might be strong or where she's weak, I might be strong or yeah. I can try to be strong for her in those moments when she's having a weak point. And she can do the same for me. When we're both breaking down, that's that's no good. <laughs> um, the question was something and I've lost it. What was your ideas? Oh, my what ideas. Like? What okay. did my dad tell you? Yeah. And you needed to do that. Okay. I didn't want to throw him under the bus, but he said that I need to get Jess in the vows to say love, honor, and obey <laughs> because she doesn't listen very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had been dating her long enough to know that she, a she was never going to say anything that she didn't mean, and <laughs> I had no chance of getting her to say that. You know. And also, I didn't. I don't necessarily need her to obey me because I don't have enough faith in my own decision-making ability to be like, I'm always going to make the right call here. I can't you know? imagine in any respect looking at another grown person exactly. and telling them to obey me. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, I just cannot imagine a scenario 
exactly. where that works in any realm. I was laughing when Sheldon was saying that he trusts Jess so implicitly when it comes to hearing the Lord's voice that he's right. like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Because every time that I tell Nate when I'm hearing the Lord's voice, it takes Nate a year and a half to listen. <laughs> he goes, that is not he goes, true. That is he not. Goes, that is not true. That is not true. There have been no, many instances no, where you have a, nice, a feeling Kayla. or a thing about something, and I don't care. And if I don't care and you care, I'm like, okay, we'll go with the one who cares. No, but I'm saying there's been I can I can think of three That's things so specifically right off the bat. Can you I'm tell not, me what I'm they are? I'm not going to name them. Are you sure? You can. The first time was leaving our first small group yes and i told you i'm like we're supposed to leave this small group yes and you were like nope not gonna do it and it took us a year and a half to leave that small group and like i mean that was a really difficult transition and i right. know for you especially as a pastor like having people that are close that you can trust to like share things with right. is so like i mean it just feels like home. Yeah. And so the idea for you of leaving that space was really hard. These were not um, no's. These were things that were hard for me to come around to. I know. I'm not saying they're just not no's. Just to be clear. But I'm saying it took you a year and a half to be like, yeah. okay, I do think the Lord's saying that. So That was the now, only one I could think of. So what are the other two? I want to know. No, I'll, we'll talk about it later. Okay. But I'm just saying now I know that when the Lord has shown me something, I'll just put a little seed out there and I'm like, it's going to be a while, but eventually he'll come around. Well, and it's also because you've realized that reality that I am an internal processor. Yeah. Like if I'm just getting hit with something and you expect me to make a decision right now, it ain't going to happen or it's not going to be a good decision. Like right. I will, I will react instead of responding and this never goes well right. for anybody. That's and, true. But going back to like preconceived notions, I was way too young to have a lot of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, we got married at 20 and 21. I was way too old to have a lot of and, those. And so <laughs> I was, I didn't know exactly what I, what it looked like, but I knew this was my person yeah. and we were going to build something new together. And I don't, I don't even think at, engaged encounter or anything where I was like laying out, this is exactly how it has to work. We did go through a lot of practical things. Though. I mean, they got I would practical be really, with it. I, but I'd be really curious to find those books and see what tiny baby I won't wrote. be held to any of that. No, not holding us <laughs> to it. I would just be curious at the contrasting things because I'm yeah. so idealistic and you can be idealistic too. But we grew up together and we learned like we've now been, I've, I've been with you. If you count the dating longer than I was without you. So it's like right. we kind of grew up together and formed a lot of this together. Yeah. Right. So I don't I don't know. So, I mean, I didn't have a lot of baked in things oh, saying she's got to listen to me. I do have I didn't enjoy watching and I it, it wasn't even necessarily in my own family, but I didn't enjoy watching it modeled where mm-hmm. the guy was just in charge and the woman never had a say. Yeah. Because and and this this goes into a few other things that we do in our marriage that is different. And I've always said, I didn't marry Jess for kids or for something else. I married her for her. Yeah. And so when we were having kids and that process became really, really hard for her. And the first time we were like, okay, this was a really, really hard pregnancy. Let's do what we can to figure out what was hard and do it better the second time. And we did the second time and we're like, this is just a thing that wrecks her entire world. Mm. And and I said just I didn't marry after I didn't marry born. you for kids. <laughs> I married you for you. Right. And right. if this is gonna damage the whole thing, like damage you in some way, 
I'm, I'm not doing this right. again. Like, I love the kids. They're wonderful. They're beautiful. They're a gift from God. But they will grow up in our house, and they will leave our house, and then they'll come back with grandbabies or something like that. But <laughs> we will still be a thing. Yeah. That's the important thing. And yeah. and I, I, I love the kids, but they are a gift from God to this marriage. Mm-hmm. And so our marriage is going to go and do things and be about things, and the kids get to come along on that journey. Right. But it is not a... Suddenly, now that the kids are introduced, we just orbit around that. Yeah, no. no, you <clears throat> orbit around the, us. Right. Like we are building a thing, and you're a part of that. You get to be a part of it for 18 years or 21 years or however long you want to stay in our house, and then off you go. And so incrementally, off you go. Right. <laughs> We're getting too close Hi. to the releasing stage That's for true. Jess. It's creeping but, up. But it's one of those things that I always that was always baked in there. So I I would don't have these preconceived notions of like it has to look this way. We were building something new. Yeah. And right. and and we wanted it to last. So I'm not gonna say I'm the one who knows how that has to work. Yeah. Right. And I will say as far as my hearing and being frustrated by him not listening, uh, our church was blowing up. Mm. In our and first I year waited of four months of going every single Sunday and hating it and not wanting to go. And him saying, I'm not done yet. Just to have another meeting. We just need to talk to some more people. Mm-hmm. And by six, we had been married two months when it started to blow up for four months till we left. At six months of marriage is when we left the church we were going to. Mm-hmm. And so I will say that was enough trial by fire for me. Yeah. Where I was like, I know that we need to get out of here. And I didn't have the language back then. And he was he does take longer on some things relationally than what I do. Well, I'm also a big commitment guy. And I had a date that I committed to. And I was going to serve out that date. Yeah. And that, that's we a made big, it by the skin of I our know. teeth. I have a question for yeah. the guys then. Yeah. So based off of um, just this question and in the church, I, I want to reverse it a little bit. Yeah. So um, I think something that's come out in culture in the last, I don't know, 20, 30-ish years is that because of this whole submission idea, now that the man is the head of the household, women have this idea of what that means spiritually Mm. and they're continually let down by their husbands who are not the man of the household or the head of the household spiritually the the way they think it should look. So I'd like to talk about that. Are you the spiritual head of my household? (laughs) What do you mean? Here's, here's, here's the thing. And once again, unless if, if memory serves me correctly, that term and the loadedness that comes with it, is not in the Bible anywhere. I mean, it's really not. It just comes from the head, that. The, the head of head every of, woman is man, and the head of every man is right, Christ. That's where, right, but yeah, I'm saying they're where, they're taking some implicit things from that and loading it a little bit more. Yeah, they're adding in the household part. Right, right. So here's my thing. Or the spiritual head part. Here's, is, here's one of the it, things I have always struggled yeah. with. My journey with Christ is my journey with Christ. It is me being formed. It is me being transformed. It is him dealing with the junk that I've got inside of me and taking care of it. That is obviously going to affect my family as it continues in a positive light. The more like Christ I become, the better it will be for everybody that has to deal with me. 
in my mind, being the head of, of the house spiritually is making sure I'm providing a place where everybody's individual relationship with Christ can flourish. Mm-hmm. It is not my job to hold your hand and tell you how your relationship with Christ is going to be, what it's going to look like, dictate what it looks like, how it's going to, like, I'm not, that's not my job. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't do that. And so I think this expectation that we have of men that somehow, if they get it together on a certain level, it's going to unlock the spiritual whatever of everybody. Again, I have a responsibility to cultivate a relationship with Christ that makes it easy for those around me to fall in love with him as well. Oh, this has baked into it the whole Bill Gothard umbrella thing, right? Is yes. Is this what you're talking about? Oh, it definitely is there. I, I don't... that but, on That's not where I came up with it. I mean, I have... That that was just always talked about in circles that I was in growing up. Like as a teenager, it was talked about. Like you know, know finding a man that's going to be yes, I do know what it is. But finding a man who's going to be the spiritual head of your home and like what that looks like, like which men were shamed with that one in the same way women have been shamed. Yeah, I saw that submission because women had these like glorified ideas of what a spiritual head of the household would look like. Yeah. That what, like, what, what were some of those? Just loose. I think just essentially like they're going to have a Jesus in their house. But more than that, it's a pastor <laughs> in their house. Yeah. He's going to be the pastor of your home. He's the pastor for and, the home. And, and it actually, I've seen, I follow some people. He's the king people. and priest. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's that idea of like, he's going to break down the theology. It goes back to all the verses where the women's culture was toxic where Paul said, you need to go ask your husband. Mm-hmm. It comes from that. Let the, let the women learn quietly and in full submission. And I don't allow the women to speak in the church. And but he, if they she have should a go question, home and they ask, should go home and ask their husband. Right. Yes. Well, so I think, it comes from that. I think, too, it's friend, It's people that they feel like their walk is a certain way with Christ. And they're not seeing that in their husband. Mm. Why isn't he doing that? But I also, Why isn't he doing what that guy's doing? I want him to be doing for me what that guy's doing for his family. But is what? he praying with us every night? Or is what he the leading us in devotions? Says he's doing is for he, his family. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that is what women wanted. Like he should be leading our family in devotions. He should be like it's this That's idealistic one. like But I I have two thoughts. One, it, that whole idea lends itself to a lot of men taking their English Bibles, not doing the deep work like a scholarly work. And trying to break it down for their husbands when they are ill-equipped. They haven't gone to seminary. They haven't been trained by anybody scholarly. Yes. And they're trying to break it down at home with things that are very difficult to break down. It it lends itself to the same thing as I watched a little Mennonite girl try to break down how biblical the head covering was Hmm. on Instagram the other day. And when she got to the verse in 1 Corinthians where it says that they wear this as a sign for the angels, she literally said in this video, but we don't know what that means, so we just let that cart go. (laughs) And I thought to to myself... I told everybody in the comment section, for anyone who's interested in this, you (laughs) need to go listen to episode 86 (laughs) of the Naked Bible Podcast. It, It is episode 86. If you have any question about the women's head cover, the Christian woman's head covering, right. it's because we don't understand Greek, uh, the Greek understanding of of reproduction, mm-hmm. and it's the most bizarre but thing you'll that ever aside, hear. But that's the best explanation. All that aside, it's because we have put this pressure on them to be that, and I don't, I don't think that's a good pressure to put on them. Yeah, 
I, no, I agree. I also think <clears throat> the other thing for me that I just can't get behind. The spiritual head of the home is really a loaded thing. Right. That definitely is. But but more than that, what I don't understand more than any of that is <laughs> when when they say these things, do they think their husband is going to be standing beside them when they have to stand before God someday? I and give an account for what they have done with their lives. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but the main thing that gets me is that. No man is going to be standing beside you, ladies. I'm sorry. We are not off the hook when it comes to our own spiritual lives and our own yeah. spiritual households. I and it agree. drives me Praise nuts. Him. But Jess, I will, I will admit, like I think I fell into that camp. Because yep. it's continually what I had heard. You have a pastor at home. I do. <laughs> but he wasn't pastoring enough for me because I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> I mean, we would talk about it. You didn't ask enough questions at home. <laughs> <laughs> you were think... supposed to go ask your husband and you did it. <laughs> I just think I had this glorified view of like, you know, we were going to do Bible studies together and I, I did, I did. Yeah. I thought that's what was going to happen. Right. Mm. And I honestly think that was so talked about in charismatic circles that I was in when I was young. Mm. And so I thought that's what my family, like that's what marriage was going to be. Was me and my husband sitting around at night doing devotions, crying and weeping on the floor, worshiping. Like that was our evenings. I'm not saying that's bad if people do that at home. No. But I'm just saying like I expected that. Like that was going to be our home. And then when it didn't happen, it was kind of like, well, are you going to do a devotion with me? Like should we do a Bible study together? And Nate was like, no. And I was like, Usually my response response was, do you want to do that? And I was always like, yeah. And then like, can you pick it? And Nate's like, no, because I don't want to do it. Like he's like, <laughs> if it, you want to do it, you pick it. <laughs> <laughs> and so eventually all of a sudden it was just, I mean, I think it just kind of fell by the wayside. And I realized that's not even something that I believe is real, but I've seen a lot of women struggle with that. And so that's why I was just curious. And I, I threw it out there. And that's the thing. I mean, to be clear, we, we have always talked about where we're at on our spiritual journey. We have been the type of people that we pray together when there's a thing. Like if there's a thing, like we're struggling, if you're struggling, if I'm struggling, like we'll we'll have those moments. But we're not like a we're gonna pray every day for X amount of time. Because in my mind, with again my ADD brain, I go like, Well, what are we gonna pray about? Like what <laughs> what are we doing? Because it feels like the same prayer I pray with my kids every night because they're little and I'm trying to teach them how to pray. She doesn't need me to teach her how to pray. Like I trust her prayer life completely. Right. And I've heard it and I've seen it. And so there's like this aspect of it where I'm like, I don't understand How what's being asked of me. I don't I don't understand the assignment, right. you know? Right. And and I think that's where I've always like struggled with that. Like on that TikTok, that. I understood the assignment. I yeah. don't you know what that is. That? No, <laughs> I, I got you. We're okay. I don't watch TikTok. I don't go things. on TikTok because that's my old man line. I don't either, but I've been shown I understood the assignment. TikTok. I'm aware that Instagram reels are two weeks behind TikTok. <laughs> yes, and I'm okay but I'm okay with, with that too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right. But I think for me, it's like, I just, I've never really understood like, what are, what are we trying to do? What is that mm-hmm. dynamic? What does that mean? And I remember we even had some discussions where I was like, what, what do you actually want out of this? Like, what do you, and you weren't able to tell me. No. Dude. It was just like, well, I just want it to look like this. Okay, but why? I'm a why guy. Like, if you can't give me a why, <laughs> I'm going to dig my heels in. It you know? is so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I get on board with that. I, 
do you think it also has something to do with the way that women express spirituality though? Mm. Mm. In the what we expect is this like the deep conversations we would have with our women friends or the way we express it in weeping and crying on the floor. Like yeah. I've had moments huh. with a good Misty Ed- Edwards album when my kids right. were little, you know, but he wasn't there. He was at work. He was, here's, he was getting the money for here's us. Here's kind of where live. I'm going with this. How, was, how easy is it to look pious versus your husband who's out there if you're sticking in these gender roles right. that they're preaching so dogmatically and the husband's supposed to be the head of the home and he's working overtime and you're taking care of the kids and you've had the time to sit there and listen to worship music mm. or read your Bible and he's been working all day and he comes home, he wants to eat dinner and then, you know, he's probably going to bed early and it's like, at what point was he supposed to do this hour and a half priestly <laughs> devotion for everybody and right. like pastor his home yeah and, and you're always going to have the moral high ground you have more time in the home yeah like when you're looking for somebody to set the tone in the home sorry that's you you're the tone setter in the home because mm. you're the one in the home it's yeah. gonna you're shaking be- up everything i believe in sheldon <laughs> <laughs> the home is going to reflect you more than him like right and, and i don't care what you've been taught about umbrellas that man is helping out in the ways that he can yeah and he's doing what he can but it, the home is going to look, uh, you know, maybe 60, 40 like you versus him because you're spending more time there. Or, I well, that's not to diminish a man's influence in the home. Right. No. It's just saying that in those traditional gender roles where they're pining away for this man to be the spiritual is, head of the home, he doesn't spend enough time there to do all which, the things that you think he needs to do. Which is right. interesting, though, because now that you're saying it, and Kayla said a little bit earlier that in, in charismatic circles, this is where she heard this, I see this far more... In charismatic, charismatic and fundamentalist okay. circles. Okay, but yeah. again, I've been around that more than I've been around the fundamentalist stuff. But but that's true. Like when you've mentioned that, I feel like I've seen it a lot more from the charismatic side of things. It was just you know when I was doing my internship, that was always talked about. Yeah, is what that would look like. And you know that's the other thing. Like when you're spending six hours a night in the prayer room, there is a lot of that in men mm-hmm. and women, and right. so they're seeing that in these guys. Like that's going to be the perfect man for my home because he ain't going to have six hours when he goes to work. You're eight right. Hours a day. You have right. kids. Yeah. Your sleep be gone. You're yes. right. So, you're right. Yeah, I I love it. I love the discussion. I had something else I wanted to say, but I can't remember. I what also it was. find it really intriguing that it is in the charismatic circles because. Charismatic and fundamentalism are two sides of the exact same I, coin. I I've been saying it for I years. I know, and I like yes, to fight Jess you on it. Jess disagrees with you on this. But. She can be wrong. It's okay. But, but I think... I don't like when you're right either. But. <laughs> I don't always like when I'm right either. I guess I just look at it and I'm like, if we are all supposed to serve God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, why do we think that we want our partner to do it for us like even and i I find it interesting like if you're in a charismatic circle and you are and you are doing what all the things are i guess in my own definition in my own mind of how i think of those things of the hours i spent on the floor when my kids were napping worshiping to misty edwards and all of these other people that i love i just i have this it's just an interesting dichotomy to me that you put you still want the man to be this priest of some kind I, I don't An get intermediary that. I, I know, between I, God and I, you. I have a theory, but you ain't gonna like it. You and I don't mean me. you, but I think that people who complain about this, 
particular issue come from one of two camps. Either like Kayla said, they've just heard it preached all the time, so they think that's what it's supposed to be. Or they blame their husband for their own lack of spiritual discipline and spiritual oh. growth and say, if he would just, then oh. I would. Right. If he would just do this thing, if he would be this way, then I would flourish. But what fruit are they looking for? Like, That's okay, you I, said, and what I, I liked what you said a lot about you saying, I pray with my kids to teach them how to pray. Right. And you're looking at Kayla saying, I trust her. I don't need to teach her how to pray. So I guess in my own mind, like, what is it that they're looking for? Because that's what I don't Someone get. else to carry the responsibility of their spiritual growth. Oh. That's what it is. Yeah, that's no good. It's I'm I'm not healthy spiritually and I know it, but I won't admit it. So I'm going to blame my husband because he's not doing the things. Even if he loves Jesus and he's providing for our family and he's, you know, doing all, like he's a good man who is doing all things. Well, he's not doing this. And that's why I've not been unlocked spiritually. Yes, I did air quotes for that if you couldn't hear it in my voice. Yeah, I just don't know what that's even striving for. If you, I don't, I don't get that. I also think it comes back to Sheldon's theory and this might light a fire, which we don't need to go into necessarily, but he loves to talk about how everything can be holy unto God, yeah. whether it's in the marketplace or in the church or in the home. Yeah. And, and I think that is part of that breaking down when you, when you're like, I need the man to do it and it needs to look this way. Or even if, you know, the guys are staying home and it is, and it's the opposite way, like looking to somebody else. Yeah. But also, recognizing in family life there are so many things that take so much time yeah and you can worship while you wash dishes and you can and you can pray for people in the hallway at work and there is not a separation between what is more holy to god no so that's good love it yeah i like your whole point of you're not going to stand with anyone when you answer before god Mm -hmm. for what you've done with what's been entrusted to you and you may you, have been entrusted with a little, you may have been entrusted right. with a lot, but it was entrusted to you. And how did you steward what God gave you? And I know this is a hot button name, but I have to give Beth Moore the, the credit for putting that in my brain. Yeah. Because right. she was the one that was like, okay, men who don't want me to be this, are you going to answer my calling for me? Because you can't. And that's, that's, they can do it for them, but they can't answer it for her. Yeah. Right. And that's where I, in my mind, I'm like, Right. She's right. I'm not saying what it has to look like. I'm not saying what authority you need to be under or or all of that. But we as women have a responsibility to steward our lives and our spirituality for us. It's not somebody else's job. No. Yeah. And I think it was Robert Morris in his book talking about hearing the voice of God where he was talking about how a woman was before a credentials board and they were basically saying, we're not going to let you pastor because you're a woman. But she clearly was passionate. She had a group of people that she was going to minister to. And she basically looked at this board of men and said, which of you will take up my calling then? If you're stop, if you're the one saying you can go this far, no further, then which of you will meet these people? Because they, I'm called to minister to them, so you're saying I can't, which of you will do it? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a perfect response to that. There, There is a ministry field that's yours alone. Yeah. And if you're following what God puts on your life, 
It, it might be those kids right in front of you at this moment. That's right. fine. Right. But there, there is a place that is uniquely yours. Right. And you need to be there. Mm. And you're responsible for it. That kind of reminds me of when we were at General Assembly and um, Dr. Crocker, the first night we were there on yeah. Saturday night, when he talked about the fivefold ministry, which I've always heard hmm. in a totally different light, again, in a charismatic circle. Sorry, yeah. Jess. No, um, he, did, he did a great job. But yeah. it, he broke it down in a way I've never heard it broken down before. And it was that idea of everybody has a place and no one can do what you can do. And I know that I've personally felt like I am like other people are superior to me. I don't have the knowledge other people have. Right. I don't have like that. I I've always kind of felt like that. Like I just don't, I don't have like, especially with Nate, like Nate has so much knowledge about scripture and history and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to pull out of the Bible compared to him, you <laughs> but, know, but me but and then, Nate, we don't have, uh, we don't have a lot of education credentials behind mm -hmm. our names where I, I've often felt that where I'm in circles with people that I'm like, I swear all these people are smarter than me because they've got all kinds of letters and numbers right. behind their name. Nate thinks that's all BS, but <laughs> <laughs> but I've I've also had to struggle with that idea of yeah. like not disqualifying myself. Yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. And I just loved that he was like, no one can do what you can do. Right. Like your calling is your calling. And that spoke so strongly to me. Um, so just bringing it full circle to that, like I just felt like that was, that was really good. And then also on another side note, Sheldon, when you said about women being in the, in the home and having more time, like if we're doing the traditional roles, having more time to do X, Y, and Z, I will say I would, if you would have asked me, like before we had kids, who's going to teach our kids about the Bible? Right. Nate. <laughs> He's a pastor. <laughs> you don't have knows, time to teach your kids about He knows way more than I do. Right. Guess who's getting all the questions? Right. You are. Me. <laughs> and I'm like, good Lord. Like Strong was asking me questions about Revelations the other day. And I was like, I don't know. And I, I you know. Oh, I forgot your book. Yeah. I have it. Okay. I found it. Great. Well, we were, I mean, so we're talking about it and he's like, okay, it says that he's going to so throw Satan in the pit for a thousand years. That means he could come back a thousand years. And I, you know, I was like, I'm pretty sure a thousand years just means a long time, but let's ask your dad, you know? So we're asking Nate and Nate's like, yeah, that's right. You know, it, it was just so funny. Cause I'm like, I would have never pictured myself as the one who's going to be teaching my kids about the Bible. Right. Like I, I, I wouldn't have called myself qualified and here I am because I'm the one probably with them more. Right. So you're, you're the one because the Lord thinks you're qualified. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But oh, I still I, need that spiritual head, though. For anybody, <laughs> no, for anybody that needs any kind Crazy. of good refutation of this, I will always just say two words, and that is Susanna Wesley. If you ever want to see something interesting, she is the mother of John and Charles Wesley, yeah. who is the founder of our our movement, essentially. Right. Um, she had a husband who was basically useless. He was a financial mess. He couldn't do anything. He was he was a loser. And I use that term in a very true sense. I don't mean he was a bad guy. He just could not get anything to go right in life. And she took up the education spiritually uh, and, and academically for her children. And she is the reason that these men became the men of God that they became. If you ever want to see a really interesting story, go do some reading about this woman. Yeah. And... That's the kind of thing where I look at and I'm like, you, you cannot tell me 
that what she did was not a specific calling and a specific ministry that the Lord had set her apart for. And it had nothing to do with gender roles. And it had nothing to do with submission because I, her, man, her man was useless. <laughs> yep. But she was still faithful right. in what she had in front of her. And I think that's what we miss in this conversation all the time. We get in these issues of submission and love and what these things look like. And the reality is, if we're all following Jesus together, these things are all going to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. I also think I have to combat that story with one thought, and that is the number of women who stay home mm -hmm. and raise their children. And I have heard this phrase, and it has been said so many times, I might not be a world changer, but I might raise one. Hmm. And I rail against that yeah. thought, not against her, 100%. not the Wesley mom. We we love and appreciate her because she was doing what she needed she to do. She did it with her daughters too, by the way. That, well, there you go. <laughs> but I, I have this, it's like everybody takes these things to extremes mm -hmm. yeah. and, and it's like, oh, well, that's what she did. And she raised the Wesley boys and they became the world changers and she stayed at home. You know what? You might be called to stay at home and your job is not to negate what your calling is for the idea that your kids might be your world changer. And yeah. that puts a weight on them, just like it puts a weight on men to right. be this priest in the home. That I'm like, do you not hear yourself? Right. If you say this around your kids all their lives, I might not be a world changer, but I'm raising world changers. What does that do to inside of them? Right. What if, does that say to your daughters? Right. Well, I will say, yeah, right. Her story is an in spite of story, not a right. not right. what you're talking right. about. But this this idea I hear is you. like, what does it say to your daughters? Then your only job is to bring up children, right? That may change the world, and by that you mean boys, because if girls could do it, you'd be about it, <laughs> right? You'd already be out there changing the world, right? And I so also think it's a scapegoat. It's so loaded. Yeah. It's a scapegoat mentality to be like, well, if my life isn't turning out how I thought it was, if I'm not doing anything that's glorifying God in a big enough way to explain to somebody else what my calling might be, then it doesn't matter. And it's, mm -hmm. it, and it's also like... Maybe don't live vicariously through your children. Find out who you are. Yeah. Right. Whoa. Right. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, men in sports are not the only ones guilty of this. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm. It doesn't yeah. look good on either one. No, it does not. I find it yucky. Yeah. Well. So a while back, I had this whole idea for a marriage podcast. Oh, yes. So if you like what you heard here, put a lot of pressure <laughs> on us to do this more often. Don't, there don't. is so much content here. <laughs> I don't we could do this every night for like two years, every week for two years, and there's no end to that content. We're good to go. <laughs> I just need some people in this room who are less committal than others to get on board. We didn't start a podcast. We're not submitting to you, Sheldon. <laughs> but this is a really good idea. And Full our circle. Listen our, listeners, our listeners should decide. There you go. Oh, my goodness. Well, have we all said our piece? Yep. Yep. All right. <laughs> the Sheldon, women are out. The women are out, which means we're done. Yeah. Sheldon, uh, you want to... You if wanna... you want to give us any feedback, rate this episode, leave us a comment on this episode or on the podcast overall. Either one helps us. Uh, you can email us, the things we say at mail.com. It's at TTWS podcast on our social media, except for Facebook. That's facebook.com slash the things we say podcast. So... 
That's all, right. all for me. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. And, uh, we'll catch you later. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time. Thank you.